Our guest this week is Cloda Durkin, who is an expert and thought leader in cybersecurity. Cloda has had a very interesting international career working in Ireland, Ghana, Italy and now Germany. She tells us how each of these cultures influenced her and her, her experiences as a woman in tech. Cloda started working as a student in the call centre and by dint of her hard work and expertise, she has become a significant expert and thought leader in cybersecurity. She tells us about the major projects in mobile network security and data centre security where she was a leader through her career. As always, Cloda nominates a song she likes to play out on. I think what you'll find when you hear Cloda tell her story is why she is such a success in her career and in her ability to lead and influence people in complex international projects. I'm sure you'll enjoy this. This podcast is sponsored by Netzer Digital Onboarding. During these times of COVID and falling sales, digital onboarding is the answer to new customer acquisition. If you are a telco, an MVNO, or an eSIM provider, we have the ideal cloud-delivered solution for you. You can onboard your new customers or business account customers remotely at a fraction of your normal onboarding costs. The Netzer Digital Onboarding Solution will ensure your customer onboarding experience is easy and painless. We'll integrate with your BSS, OSS systems and with Salesforce, and we meet all regulatory requirements. Contact pat.flynn at netzer.com so we can understand your issues and provide you with the best solution. On this week's podcast, we have Cloda Durkin. Cloda is an expert in cybersecurity and has a, a really interesting career path, which he's going to talk about. And first of all, Cloda, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's lovely to see you. Great. And you're um, a West of Ireland girl, aren't you? If I can say girl, you're okay with that, yeah? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's perfect. Yeah, I'm from Ellis Grove, Castellago, from the beach. <laughs> well, from near to the beach. What a beautiful place. Yeah. And so you you um, have had an international career in cybersecurity, but you, you tell us about the beginning when you were a student and how you got into uh, IT in general. Okay, perfect. No, I did. I was doing, since I was about three, I'd wanted to work in the ESA, the European Space Agency, and I'd always wanted to do science. Um, so I... When I went to college, there was no question I was going to do science. That was it. That was it. You know? uh, I never had dolls, like chemistry sets. I, I, you know, I'm really geeky for, you know, so it's strange for a girl, but it was what I loved. And so I went to do, I did a experimental, I did science in UCD. I found that actually I failed a year, which is really surprising because I was, I was really, I, I thought, good in school. Then I decided that actually science wasn't suiting me so much because I was doing chemistry, but everybody in the chemistry department had something wrong with them because they were sloshing around acetone all over the place. <laughs> um, so then I decided I was going to change to engineering. Um, so then I went to Trinity. I then actually got measles in college and I was quite sick. And I took a year off and I'd been working with you in the paging service in Donnybrook, um, which was fascinating. And I, I think I would, I think I've been doing a bit of Oracle because I've been teaching Oracle or learning Oracle in college. Mm -hmm. um, and at that stage, we were setting up the first ready to go 
um, call center. So, so ready to go for people. It was the first prepaid phone in Ireland. Yeah, it definitely helped a lot that I like at that stage I'd spent seven years in college, so I'd, I'd actually had a. I came in with a good background, <laughs> um, so it was it was it's, it was really a natural fit, and I found that telecoms was actually what I wanted to do, and that was actually what I've been I've been missing the whole time in in engineering because at that time there wasn't any real telco courses, you know, pure telco courses. So actually, it made more sense for me to work. Um, and then I ended up getting, I remember like very soon after I started working for you, I got uh, sick again because that measles reverberated and I got measles for a second time that you're not supposed to be able to do, but I managed to do it. <laughs> and you were very good. You, you, you brought me back after I got well again. And, and uh, we did all that funny work at the beginning of, of uh, mobile. And I hadn't really realized how early that was. It was an amazing time. Yeah, we did a lot of experimental stuff at services and so on. Not, I've, obviously, I've learned since most new services don't work out, but it was a time of uh, great experimentation with different combinations of communications and call centers. So you were right at the heart of that. I know. It was, it was a fantastic time to be there. We learned so much. I remember myself and Aidan... <laughs> We actually ran a LimeWire server upstairs because we had a whole network to play with. And we didn't realize what we were doing at the time. Um, but we just know that we, we did this really fast network that we could download stuff. Um, and we didn't keep it, obviously. Um, but it was astounding to, to be able to work on a network like the paging system, which was a subset of the full mobile system. And with all the different links and we like we did things like Reuters, we did all of the news alerts, you know, everything. It was amazing. And it was just us doing it. <laughs> Your ideas. You're constantly bringing out new ideas of things to do. You went on, Vodafone bought the paging system and you were moved into the Vodafone IT department. Yeah. Tell us what happened there. So I was, I started in the network operations center in Vodafone. Um, and that was the, the center that controlled all of the, the platforms that actually controlled the mobile network. And I was in a little group that we were basically the system ins for the, the whole network team. So doing a lot of uh, databases for the big Ericsson platforms, the Alcatel platforms, um, and also controlling the firewalls because at that stage, the firewalls had been controlled by lots of individual teams that were, half of them were fighting with each other and half of them were putting in different systems. So I was asked to consolidate the firewalls and um, basically standardize everything so that we could get a full picture of what was happening in each team from a central basis. It was the first security operations center, if, if you will. Um, and that was fascinating because it was going at a thousand miles, a hundred thousand miles an hour. So you had to learn very quickly about exactly what kind of traffic. Somehow or other, you end up in Ghana. Could you tell us how, how that happened? And could, what was your experience? Uh, it must have been a huge uh, culture shock for you as well. Uh, well, actually, because, I, because I'd had so much experience in the products and services and in the networks, because we saw every product that was 
going through Vodafone Ireland at that time. And the guys in group security knew that I was one of the few people who knew about IN or intelligent network security um, coming from supporting all of the network guys. So they asked me to come and help them. Uh, it was essentially a due diligence in the beginning. Uh, there was a, a project I can't talk about that worked very well. Um, uh, we had taken over Ghana Telecom, which was this, you know, exotic, huh. you know, Vodafone going to Africa. Uh, we'd had Vodacom in South Africa at that time, but we didn't have any Vodafones in Africa. So this was going to be the first Vodafone Africa. And we'd taken over Gallon Telecom that had uh, some challenges with legacy systems. And the same thing that we were facing before that was it was this patchwork of vendors um, all pulling off each other to, to, get, to get the business. Um, so I went down to Ghana for an initial uh, two months to do a, a special project, and it worked very well. And then they asked me to come back and to set up security there. <laughs> like, okay. how, long, how long did you actually spend in Ghana? So I was there uh, when I finally went full time. I was in 2009 and I came home in 2011. So I spent, uh, yeah, it's just over two years on malaria tablets. Which was, quite <laughs> I was the only person I think not to get malaria. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, was it, um, what, how did you find it culturally? Was it really interesting? So, yeah, I loved it. I, I adored it. I really, really adored it. It's an amazing country. It, it's known as it's Africa Light. So, it's a quite a safe place to be. There's a lot of poverty and there's also a huge amount of wealth. And there's a huge amount of, things happening on the ground with the explosion in internet services. Uh, one of the things that we had there is we, we bought uh, internet, well, better internet cafes to Africa. So when I was there, it was part of the marketing guys and services guys actually introduced the fastest internet cafes mm. in Africa. Just bizarre for, for you know, the place because everybody goes, Oh, it's just Scanner, you know, it must be nothing there. But it was an amazing culture of opportunities. Uh, right. The guys on the ground were fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Um, and so, part of my job there was to go in and detangle some of the I'm not going to use the word chaos, but it's just that it wasn't in the Vodafone-like frameworks that we needed to have in place. Um, and services that they were offering was everything from big satellite systems, they had TV services, they had fixed line, they had mobile. Um, so, they, so you had the, the whole gamut of services. Basically, yes, yeah, a quad player plus. And they had, they had fiber, fiber mm -hmm. armor as well. And, and then after Ghana, you moved on. So where did you end up next? Yeah, so in Ghana, I've been very interested in, in doing solutions that were using the internet to provide security. So I've been dipping my toes into that. And I've I'd, I'd been very close to the head of security in Italy. And he asked me to 
come there. He'd also known that I was also always dying to go work in Italy. <laughs> it's like an Irish person's next home. Um, and got the yeah. weather. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, yeah, the weather and the food. It was amazing. I arrived into Italy essentially in, in, into Milan in Fashion Week, which was a bit of a culture shock because they... Going from a place like Ghana, where we were building up everything and, and a lot of the stuff was uh, coming in on tankers from what people throw out in the clothes banks here, to go going to the middle of pure consumerism of the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I actually couldn't buy anything for the first <laughs> seven months that I was here. It sounded like a bigger culture shock going to Italy than you had going to Ghana. <laughs> Pretty much, it was. It was. It was fabulous, though, because Italy is at the center of of the the world at the stage. What was happening was coming off the Arab Spring was that we're seeing an awful lot of internet noise from the botnet um, attacks, and uh, we had particularly had a, a problem with Berlusconi getting attacked. So I was working with. Um, botnet mitigation companies to find solutions to integrate into the network so that we could offer security from the network. Okay. Uh, and this, this kind of became the first, what we call clean pipe services, um, where you're cleaning the internet before it reaches the device. Okay. So you could offer consumers um, a really clean network. Hmm. And, and then, Claudia, you moved on to yet another country. So where are you today? In <laughs> Germany. In Germany, okay. <laughs> yeah, that came, that, that, came out of, that came out of the work I did initially as well, uh, because I'd known the head of um, marketing in, uh, from before, and Germany were starting to get very interested in security, uh, not just as an operational cost, but as a solution that they can sell, sell to providers because telcos are actually in the perfect position to do security because they have it before it reaches your phone with all its apps and all its rubbish on it. So you can actually clean it before that. Um, they didn't, they, they'd, they'd actually gone into an encryption work in Germany to try and give the enterprise market and it then became for the consumer market, cleaned in internet propositions. Okay. And, and that, was, that was a fantastic, for me coming from technology and coming from my background, it was perfect because it was knowing, knowing the networks, knowing how they worked and also knowing how to integrate different parts of the company. So your career, your career, if I could summarize this, my one. bonkers, my bonkers career. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you, you clearly are at the very uh, the 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 edge or the the bleeding edge or the leading edge of security, um, IP network security. Yeah. You're at some of the major projects, and you know you mastered them. You're an expert in it. But maybe would you talk a little bit about being a woman in technology? I'm, I'm sure there's dozens of women in cybersecurity today. If you look mm -hmm. around. <laughs> Or maybe the, would you tell us what's what's your impression of being, you know, as as a woman working in IT and cybersecurity, mm. how do you find it? This is this for me is a really interesting question, and it, it is something that I have possibly purposely not really made a made a deal out of because it's not a big deal for me. 
I mean, I come from a very analytical background. I, I was always liked maths and I was always doing science and then I went to engineering. So for me, it was, it was natural to be involved in this, this kind of society. And it was surprising that there wasn't that many women in it. And I think I was the first woman in the network center for a couple of years <laughs> at the beginning. And <laughs> um, even now, even now, like I'm in Germany and I'm constantly getting asked to do uh, speaking gigs because I am the, the diversity person. You, mm -hmm. you can stick in front of a, a, an audience and I will blather on about threat mitigation, you know, in, in networks very happily. I, I actually, I, I found the biggest challenges were not in Ghana because Ghana is a matriarchal, matriarchal society mm. um, where the mother controls the land. Uh, and we, it yeah, it, it is fascinating. Oh, we could yeah. do a whole other podcast on that one. There weren't that many people in tech there when I went, well, many girls in tech there when I went, but but we would, we did a lot of initiatives to really encourage girls in tech. And mm -hmm. actually the CEO there is the ex-CTO who is a woman, it's Patricia. Uh, and she's fabulous, absolutely fabulous. It, it has been odd. I mean, I've gotten a lot of free dinners out of it because, of this, <laughs> because I'm the only girl. And so I'm, I'm constantly yeah. asked to be but, the but girl. The table. Have you experienced, um, you know, pushback being a woman? How do you how do you get the respect of yeah, I've had, the male team members? Okay, well, not to put too fine a point on it. No, no, it, it's fine. I'm, I'm very open about this. I, like, sure. so you, you can ask me anything. I've nothing to hide. I have come across a couple of cycles in my in my path. I mean, it sounds great that I'm traveling across the world and stuff, which which I did myself, but I've come to come across like some real cycles and but they haven't been the teams really on the ground. They've been maybe these senior managers who've been scared. It's typical defensive behavior. You've been trying to hide things. And as a woman, your your challenge is that in a group of guys, if you're the only girl there you're seen as the weak one. So if guys are in trouble, this is a psychology thing, um, they tend to put blame or, or, or try to shame the person they perceive as weakest. The thing is, they don't realize where I came from. I'm not exactly weak. <laughs> oh, you're not at all, Claude. No. I, I know you're quite a, um, you're a very, you're a very charming person, but there's quite a, tough-minded analytical uh, brain there I, I know from my own experience working with you when you talk about pushback they they they, they give pushback in the beginning because they, they don't respect you because they don't think you have the technical kudos and that's what they base their respect on mm -hmm. and it's amazing though once once I start talking to them and because I'm a firewall engineer you know <laughs> I did it really <laughs> I'm a telco fire and a firewall engineer so then they kind of realize and they go oh 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 dear! Oh, what are talking about? Yeah, <laughs> and and then then they they turn into puppy dogs, you know. <laughs> so well, that's well, Claude. No, that's, that's really been fascinating, and, and uh, thanks very much for, you know, just seeing how you developed your career against all sorts of cultural backgrounds, and I don't just mean the countries; I mean the organizations as well. But mm -hmm. at this stage in the podcast, I'd like to ask our guests if they had a song they'd like to play out on. So I. I don't know if you've had a chance to think about it. Um, so tell us what you think. 
Yeah, there, there is, there's one, it's quite cute. It's a song by Angus and Julia Stone. It's called, um, it's Chateau. I'd love it though. I love it it's, it's because it's, 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 and it's the acoustic version of it, which is really, really pretty. Um, and it's, it's talking about like, I don't know where, if you, if you want to go anywhere, but I'll take you there. And it's just, it's just lovely. <laughs> well, that's great. Though. Look, thanks. And uh, we wish you the best. I'm sure your, your career will go on to even bigger strengths in the yeah. future. Thank you. And thank you for giving me the chance because you, you started the whole thing. So, yeah, well, many <laughs> I called it. I don't think there was any stopping you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, I think, I think you were a great, a great ideas, man. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. And yeah, I'm just seriously, mean it. thanks a million. All right. Thanks, Lola. Yeah.